Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. To, to center us real quick here, let's think through what we've discussed so far. Last night, we, we talked through Ephesians 2.10. That was kind of our key verse, that we are His workmanship. You are His artistry, created with skill. He has created you in a hands-on fashion, created for royalty with the greatest care and value. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We talked about the design that God is trying to create, but we have to recognize that God wants us a part of that picture. That we'll only see the incredible work God wants to do with us and through us if we can start by seeing why He wants each and every one of us as a part of the picture. Then Ephesians 2, 17 through 22 this morning. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus is that, that singular strand interwoven between all of our stories, unifying us together, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We talked about that weaving, that God uses everything in our lives to create a wonderful masterpiece. And through our own images, he connects us all together through himself. Okay, so there's our, our recap from last night and this morning. But where we're going this evening, we're going to go in a couple of different directions here. But what we need to do is we need to shed some light on a very real threat that is trying to unravel and break apart this beautiful masterpiece, this kingdom tapestry that God is trying to create. In John 3.20, it says this, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Now that word exposed is really interesting to me. It means to unhinder, to have an unhindered view of something, to see it for what it truly is. Now guys, we've been talking about this kingdom tapestry, this beautiful handcrafted incredible masterpiece that is fit for royalty. But there is something threatening that, and that's sin. And because we don't have a reverence, a respect for the danger of sin, we usually take sin kind of lightly. It's not that big of a deal. We have to expose sin for what it is. We have to bring it into the light to be able to understand it. And here's what we need to understand. In this kingdom tapestry, we need to understand that sin threatens to unravel this beautiful masterpiece God is trying to create. Sin is the one thing that threatens to unravel the tapestry that God is weaving. Now, that word unravel, it actually means to undo. 
So I want you to think about this. Remember, I mentioned the weft, that singular thread, Christ Jesus woven throughout every single thread. But what sin does is it comes along and it starts pulling string out from that weft. It starts pulling each and every one of us away from Jesus, away from each other, away from this story, this image that God is trying to work together. Sin ultimately works as a sickness that threatens God's design. Sin ends up working as a sickness that threatens God's design. Now, guys, we've got a lot of sickness going on around us. We have for the last couple of years. But I want you to think about this for a second. This is the definition of a sickness. A disorder of structure or function in a human, animal, or plant, especially one that produces specific signs or symptoms or that affects a specific location and is not simply a direct result of physical injury. But I have that portion there underlined, a disorder of structure or function. In the same way, that that word unravel, what does it mean? It means to undo. In that same way, sin being a sickness, it wants to bring disorder where there is order. It wants to take something created and try and break it apart and twist it and change it. So sin is working in your life and mind to try and undo the work that God has been trying to do in each and every one of us. So we have this threat in front of us that we need to understand and realize. We have this threat that we need to look at and take seriously. But how do I recognize it? How do I kind of see sin for what it is? Guys, this is a really interesting passage. And it's not going to be fully up on the screen, but I want you to follow along here. But King David, he gives us this write-up, almost the symptoms of this sickness of sin in Psalm 38. A symptom is a sign of the existence of something, especially, especially of an undesirable situation. So, The symptoms of sin, the signs that sin is present in our life. Look at how King David describes this in Psalm 38. Listen, it says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down. I am ashamed and prostrate all the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. And King David is kind of laying out for us the symptoms of sin in our life. The signs of sin in our life. Now, if you take a beautiful masterpiece, if you take a tapestry and you remove one single thread... You might not notice it. It might fly under the radar. 
And some illnesses function that way too, right? You might be sick and not even realize it. But then you, you keep pulling at those threads. You keep taking a few more away. And suddenly the picture starts to become a little distorted. You start seeing a few more symptoms of sin and you start to think, something's not right here. And King David describes these symptoms of sin. There's this shame, this conviction. Conviction. He's feeling weighed down, sorrowful, a feeling of defeat that he can't go on. But I want you to think about this for a second, guys. Here's where it gets dangerous. Here's where it gets dangerous. When you have to live with something for a long time, what happens? You get used to it. Anybody have allergies? Like every year they pop up. I want you to think about this for a second. Maybe they pop in a specific, like a, a particular time of the year. When, they, when, they, when your allergies first kick in, it's like, oh, goodness, not again. But then if, the, if your allergies go on for a couple months, you learn to live with it. You learn to deal with it. It might be nagging you in the back of your mind, but you're able to ignore it. And that's a dangerous place to be. That even though we see the signs, we see the symptoms of sin, we see the tapestry being unraveled before our eyes, we're comfortable if a few strands get plucked from the picture. We're okay with, with a sneeze here or there. It's not that big of a deal if my throat's kind of scratchy for a while. And we live with sin, and, and it doesn't really bother us too much. Now, guys, please, I don't say any of this. If you're a little, if you're a little squeamish, I don't say any of this to make you uncomfortable. But really, to, to prove a point, but guys, sickness spreads. And there's a particular issue. It's called gangrene. And it's actually, it's referenced in Scripture in 2 Timothy. It talks about how a false teacher spreads like gangrene. And what gangrene is, is when you get an infection in the blood, that your extremities, your fingers, your toes, they start to die. The tissue starts to die. And say you, you start to develop gangrene in, in your fingertips, they'll start to turn green and then black. Now, what you can do to stop gangrene is cut it off. But if you ignore it, it's going to continue to spread to your hand and then to your arm. And then once it gets, it gets into your major organs, it's going to kill you. And sin ultimately functions like this illness, like gangrene, this, this darkness that overcomes, and it keeps taking over more and more and more of our lives. And we're left with, with this idea, I can keep ignoring it, but if I let it go on long enough, it could ruin me. That sins can start out small, but untreated, it will slowly kill you. We have to see sin for what it is. That sickness, in the same way sin, it spreads throughout our entire life, and then it can overflow and impact the people around us. We can become contagious. That sin can overtake us in such a way that it becomes contagious. You know, this morning we talked about that, that spiritual family tree. But now I want to look at this. I want to flip it around. And I want to look at this as a spiritual unraveling. And I gave you this example that you guys are hearing from me, but I'm in this position because I was mentored by a guy by the name of Brian Ferguson, a pastor in Virginia. 
he went through a program that was built and developed by a guy by the name of David Adams. He came to know Jesus because of his 11th grade English teacher, Mrs. Schlafly, who decided to preach Jesus to him. But now look at how sin can unravel. What if Mrs. Schlafly decides, you know, this whole Jesus thing is not for me. I'm going to walk away from the Lord. I'm going to do things my own way. And David Adams never comes to know Jesus. So he decides never to start the student ministry program at Liberty University. And because of that, Brian Ferguson never gets that training that he got. And because of that, he never gets to pour into me. Now, if I wasn't here, it, it would be somebody else. RVR does an incredible job at, at recruiting speakers that, that bring the word. But that's going to overflow into my kids, into my son, Elliot, my daughter, Addison, and my baby boy that hasn't been born yet, Oliver. And in the same way we can create this spiritual family tree, sin can work its way backwards and gradually unravel the design that God is trying to create. But there is a treatment for this sickness. Unraveling is stopped dead in its tracks through repentance and redemption. The unraveling that sin brings about, the sickness of sin, the unraveling of this kingdom tapestry because of the sickness of sin, it is stopped dead in its tracks through the power of repentance and redemption. I want to break these down for just a minute, guys. These incredible, these, you know, they, maybe you've heard some of these words before, but he, I want to give you a, a very simple definition of what repentance is. Very simply, repentance is a change in direction. Is it, a, it is a 180 degree turn. So if I was going to be walking in this direction, and as I walk in this direction, I'm pursuing sin, I'm pursuing the flesh, I'm pursuing the things of the world, I'm pursuing my plans, my ideas, I'm pursuing the relationships I want. I'm pursuing everything that makes me feel good in the moment. Repentance is making that stop and 180 degree turn to start walking towards the Lord, to start walking towards holiness, start walking towards righteousness, to start walking towards the things that God has called us to live and be. It's making that shift. It's making that change. And this is something that we have to do. We have to make that choice to turn, to change direction, to stop sin in its tracks by literally stopping ourselves in our own tracks as we pursue sin. We stop and turn and we start walking in the way of the Lord. But God can't force us to do that. We have to make that decision to turn and cry out to him, to turn and pursue him. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, wiped out. They're no more. That sickness is done. It stopped dead in its tracks. The unraveling ceases. It's done. But that's something that you and I need to do. But there's something that only Jesus can do. There's something that only God can do, and that is redemption. And that means to save. 
to retrieve, to repossess, to reclaim, to rescue. And this is the work that we have to let God do in us. We make the choice to repent, but we have to allow him to redeem. We have to allow him to rescue. We have to allow him to reclaim us from sin. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, I love this passage in Ephesians. Right before this, right the context of this verse, it talks about how in the riches of God's grace, he lavishes his love, his mercy on us. That his love, his mercy, his grace towards each and every one of us, it is so overflowing that it completely overtakes you. We are in a position where we are drowning in the love of God. So this goes all the way back to where we were last night and where we touched on things this morning, that you might be walking this journey, you're walking in sin, and you think, I'm too far gone. I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. But you cannot outdo God's love for you. That's the power of the cross. And if you haven't heard this message before, please, I beg you to tune in. But the way that God redeems us, he looks at his creation. He looks at his artistry, the product of his skill and his handiwork. Remember, we are his workmanship. And he says, I love you too much to let this sickness ravage you. I love you too much to leave you wallowing, dying in your sin. So Jesus leaves his throne in heaven, comes to the earth, is arrested, he's beaten, he's spat on, a crown of thorns with two-inch long thorns are driven into his scalp. And he is beaten beyond recognition of a man. And he takes that penalty of sin. He takes that punishment for sin that you and I deserve because he loves you so deeply. Because in this grand design, at the heart of this grand design, the centerpiece of this image is our redemption. And when God redeems you, when he redeems us, he not only redeems us as individuals, but he redeems our relationships with each other. He wants to rebuild our lives. He wants to rebuild the relationships that we have with each other. And guys, we are called into this beautiful new life that God has for us. Let's look at this together. Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 16. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off 
have been, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, now look at this last portion here, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now guys, I know that that is kind of a, a crazy verse. And there's a lot going on here. But I want you to look at the big picture for a second, all right? We're going to zoom out. It says in God's word that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I want you to think through some of the other, passage we talk, other passages we talked about. It talks about how we were aliens, how we were strangers. We were far off. That Jesus brought down that wall of hostility. This sin, this sickness, this unraveling that is happening, it separates you from this all-loving, all-powerful creator God that wants to have an intimate, beautiful relationship with you. And Jesus says, I come to give life and life abundantly. Guys, what Jesus wants to do, he wants to freely cast out a lifeline to you and drag you up out of death. Now here's what's crazy. The way that the Bible describes this idea that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the exact moment of Jesus casting out that lifeline to you by dying on the cross, offering you free eternal life. We are cussing him out. We are spitting on him. We are in direct opposition to him. And yet God says, no, no my love for you is too great. My love for you is too great. And he says, I don't care if you've crossed too many boundaries with your boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't care if you use foul language whenever you're not around your church friends. I don't care if you've broken relationships and lied. I want to redeem you. I want to rescue you. I want to reclaim you. I want to repossess you so I can change you and give you life and life abundantly. I want to lavish. I want to drown you in grace and mercy and joy and kindness and forgiveness to the point where now all of those things are overflowing out of you onto other people, onto the people around you. He wants to reach out to you, pluck you out of death, drag you into life. Because he loves you that much. 
So here's kind of our main idea for this evening. This unraveling that sin does. This sickness of sin that tries to rip apart this design. If we allow sin to infect us and spread through our lives and relationships, it will slowly pull apart the design. But Jesus can restore all that has been undone. Jesus and what he did on the cross, he has the power to restore all that has been undone because of sin. You are never too far gone. You are never out of the reach of God. And he desires a relationship with you. He is ready and waiting to redeem you. But there's something that you have to do. You have to make the decision to turn to him and say yes. It's that simple. You repent. You turn. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You say yes to him. Redeem me, God. And he wants to bring in healing. He wants to begin restoring this beautiful masterpiece that is your life. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.